Twain once wrote, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Now, he's a humorist and a social satirist, right, from a generation past, but he, he touched on something with that line that I think is true of humanity and certainly even true of Scripture and the teachings of the Bible and the way of Jesus. The value of our why. And that's not just biblical. It's not just for Christians. I, I see it, read it, hear about it all over the place. I mean, there's a sort of an aspect to psychology that um, frames things through motivation. What your motivations are as a way to kind of understand how you want to live and what you want to do and be. I, I've read articles lately about uh, even professional coaching and executive coaching that is based in this understanding of what's your purpose. It, it all is hitting on something that we find even at the core of our faith as Christians. The importance of having a healthy sense of why, a healthy motivation. Uh, as Cameron mentioned, by the way, thank you, Cam, for um, welcoming everybody, for leading us in prayer. Cameron's first time to do that up here, as an adult, anyway. And, uh, and um, so I, I appreciate you. And, and I appreciate you naming in the prayer that uh, the messages for this month are all centered around that idea of having a healthy faith. Last week, the message was about having a healthy self-image that we find in the scriptures. We are told that each one of us is God's accomplishment. And that's how we know and see ourselves. But then not just as an individual, but collectively. So having a healthy faith, not just me personally, but us together. Say us as the church to have a healthy faith. We know that we are together God's accomplishment for Shambly, for this season, for this moment. And from a place of a healthy self-image, then we can give consideration to then what, what's our motivation for life and for living, for being. Sort of getting back to Mark Twain's comment. What does it mean to have a healthy motivation? And there is a particular place in the scriptures that speaks to this that I want to read for us this morning. It's from Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to put the verses 22 through 26 up on the screen. Now, I remind you, it's the message translation. It's a little bit different than what you would normally see in here on a Sunday, but that was with intention. Uh, I'm sure you remember everything that was said last week, but in case you missed it, the, it it's a little bit more of a, a conversational, readable translation, and just coming down to the core of who we are and what motivates us. And then next week, how we live that out. I thought maybe it'd be good to just sort of consider that on a personal, conversational kind of way. With God and with the scriptures. So here's the message translation of Galatians 5, 20 through, 22 through 26. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like 
affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless to bring this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better or another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Paul, in in this book, in Galatians, in this letter that he's writing to the church, I, I think is getting right into that discussion of our why, our purpose, our motivation for life and living, and particularly as a follower of Jesus. So if you'll allow me, I'll pose the question for you. A little reflection. Why do you follow Jesus? You don't have to call it out loud. I respect that. If you just need to. It's worth a little bit of reflection. I, I think we can get going with life and miss sometimes or just let go of our why. And it's worth every once in a while revisiting it. So why Christ for you? Maybe you were born into it. You didn't have a choice. Parents said, grandparents said, just put you right to it. And your path was made. Maybe it's just the cultural norm that you lived in. Everybody was a Christian or presented as such or it wasn't if you go to church, it's which church you go to. And Maybe you were scared into it. Shame or fear, guilt. For any of all those, could I, I just say that if, if that's the case, my prayer is that as you lived into it and as you follow Jesus, you found something else, something more, something deeper as your why than you were supposed to or you were scared into it. Maybe you found life. home what 
what Paul describes is living God's way as our why. But those then who have chosen to live God's way, some translations say to live by the Spirit, the Spirit of God. As our why, as Christians. Why do we follow Jesus? To to live the life that we were created to live. Something happened in you, in me, and something happens inside of us as the Spirit of God connects with our spirit once and again and again and again, drawing us, calling us to this life that we were created to live. Life God's way. Life by the Spirit. And so... That's our why, is to live and be who we were created to be. The description of that that Paul gives in the message translation, you maybe didn't even recognize it. But if you've spent any time in the Bible, in the New Testament, or honestly in a church, or especially listening to me preach, what what I just read was the fruit of the Spirit. You would have heard it as love, joy, peace, patience, Goodness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. This is our why, is to live life that way, characterized by the fruit of the Spirit of God. I'm so thankful for the way this translation points out. By the way, legalism isn't going to help you. When you take that and you turn it into a set of rules and expectations by which to judge yourself or other people, not only is it not going to help you, he says it's going to get in the way. Likewise, he says, living by the Spirit, living God's way with this fruit evidenced in your life means that all of this sort of getting our own way attitude, having things the way we want them, being right, or just living to try to satisfy the expectations of the world or somebody else, that all of that fades away. I mean, the language he uses is a little bit stronger. It's put to death, crucified. So instead of being motivated by legalism or getting what we want or making other people happy, we find this way of living by the Spirit to be who we were created to be by God and to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And he says it's more than just an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. It's something that gets lived out every day in every aspect in every corner in any way every way of our lives so why christ how about this why the church why do this together well there's a pretty good biblical and theological argument to understand that the scripture was written to god's people not God's persons, but God's people. 
why the church? Why come do this? Or any of the other things that we do together as a community of faith? It's a why question for you. Again, no need to call out your answer unless you just feel so motivated. But why the church? You can get more specific. Why Shambly United Methodist Church? I can tell you my why. It's, it's interesting. I mean, at least I was born and raised in the church, so I was one of those people that had no choice. Um, but the Methodist Church, for me, Shambly by way of appointment as a pastor, but the Methodist Church for me, because when my parents divorced, my dad remarried and married a Methodist. I'd been raised in a different denominational tradition, um, but moved in with my dad and stepmom, and so I went to church where they went to church, and it was a United Methodist Church. (laughs) Deep and amazing answer. Okay, don't do that again. I might have been a little off pitch. Maybe not an angel. I mean, that's just, that's how I ended up in the Methodist Church. I didn't make some kind of well-thought-out, planned decision. I will tell you, as I got older, because I was about high school age, as I got older and paid attention to what was being taught, what was being said, what was being read and sung, it, it resonated for me. As a way to understand God, as a way to understand myself, to understand faith, to understand the church. There's a certain sense of the Methodist way of doing it. And I could only compare it to what I had known, you know, prior to that. But then even as I heard and discussed with other people and watched more broadly, and it was just it was something about the emphasis on grace, God's grace in our lives. It was something about the flexibility of our theology, our understanding of God that that gave room in there for people to sort of experience it from their perspective and vantage point from where they were at that moment and season in their lives, that it wasn't so prescribed that you had to look and act and be exactly like this, that there was room for us all in a community of faith centered around a shared why. Is to be who God created us to be in Jesus Christ. And so I hung around. And then I really got into it. It was a part of my calling. And it is a calling, and God calls people. God calls people to ministry in all sorts of ways, forms, and fashions, including being a pastor of a United Methodist Church. So hear my plug. If you're not sure, I'd love to have the conversation with you. Do you think there may be something going on in you, in your life, a sense of a calling? I'd be happy to share all the profound and not so profound pieces of my journey with you. In fact, we've got lunch today for folks who are new to the church. It's Shambly 101. For anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about the denomination and about this church, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in there. I understand you're still welcome, even if you have an RSVP, but if you want to come back for lunch, and uh, spend a little time with me and let's talk Methodism and Shambly Methodists. We'd love to have you just uh, to stop at the desk and let us know so we can get you a lunch. That, that's, that was my why. Why I'm Methodist. Why this church. 
Why are you here? I didn't mean to point specifically to you. I apologize. That was more of just a general. Nice people? Is that why you're here? What's that? Why not? It's a darn good start. Absolutely. That is the thing I hear most from people who are new to this church. Is why? It's because the people were nice to me. And not just people who are new to this church. People who think back to why they're here. Because the people are nice to me. Which is one of the conundrums of this pandemic and post-pandemic world. And what makes it so difficult as we try to come back together is we love being with people, but nobody's there, so I'm not going to go. So, well, and that's why we revisit our why. Particularly in times of stress and strain or change or challenge, it's why we revisit our why. And why are you here? Have you had your needs met? Here. Have you had an experience with God here in this community or in this place? You see, the beauty of revisiting your why is then that's where you live from. That's how you be in the world and in your church and with each other is out of that why. Out of being who God created and called you to be. Out of living life with Jesus Christ as your why, as our why. Not just individually, but together, collectively, corporately. He is our why. His way. And the fruit that that bears in us and among us and for the world is what makes us who we are. And it's why we be the church together. Simon Sinek, uh, almost 15 years ago, wrote a book called Lead With Why. And he had done a lot of research in organizations about what made them successful, unique, and stand out in their field or in business. And what he came down to is the ones who do it best are the ones who lead with their why. Not their what or their how, but their why. I can't help but think, what does it look like for a Christian to lead with their why in the way they live life in the way you live life in the way we live life and then what does it look like for a church to lead with their why not their what or their how Healthy faith is having a healthy motivation. Which is why it's helpful to come back to our why every once in a while. Otherwise, see, as a church, we'll do our programs, we'll have our meetings, we'll accomplish our tasks, we'll take care of ourselves and our buildings, maybe even get a good feeling or do a nice thing. the church Jesus gave us our why collectively he gave us our mission statement the mission statement of the United Methodist Church to make disciples of Jesus Christ 
for the transformation of the world. That's our why. That is our mission statement. And I'd say it a little bit differently. I would say the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. That's our why. And that's who we are. And in a season and a time that is challenging in all kinds of ways, may we all spend a minute and revisit and reflect on our why. I had said last week, and maybe you have picked up on this, but coming down the pike this month is some communication to you about how you anticipate and plan to participate in the why of the life of this church for the new year. Both fiscally and physically. I'll credit our new communications director, Deanna Hamilton, for that line. What does it mean for you to participate in the mission of the church next year with what you will give financially and what you will give of your time and talent so that the leaders of this church can plan and help chart a course for us to live out this mission together? So when you see that come out, I pray that you will take the opportunity to respond however you see fit and however you feel called so that we can be this church together on this mission. And if you ever feel like you've lost your way, you may have just lost your why. If you spend a minute with God, the why that you were created for will begin to fill you back up and to set your path. I want to ask you if we could make that a prayer together right now in this moment. And so I'm, I'm inviting you to pray for yourself. Your why. Why Jesus? Why the church? Why Shambly Methodist? Maybe there's somebody in your life that you know could use your prayers for them. For their why. And then right there along with it, I'm asking that we could pray for us together as God's church. That we dial in again to our why together. God, we are thankful today to know and remember and be reminded that we are the works of your hand, that you created us, that each of us is unique and an individual, and we live out our lives with you in that way, that we are all your handiwork, your accomplishment. What a joy. And that together as your people, as your church, we are your handiwork. 
God, we are thankful to remember and be reminded that out of that core of who we are, our identity is yours, that we find our purpose, our motivation, our why. To live life the way you created us to. To find the fruit of your spirit being born in us and through us and among us. God, in moments or times or seasons where we begin to lose our way, our why, it is our prayer that you would draw us back to this truth. Draw us back to you, to each other, and to the work that you created us and called us to be about, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, the transformation of the world. This is our prayer together in Jesus' name. Amen.